Hello and welcome to Transverse News, your weekly trans and LGBT news and commentary show from the Transverse Network. I'm your host, Emily. Let's get into our first story. A loud anti-trans group in a small Ohio town convinced residents to vote down a proposal that would have given $300,000 to schools for improvements. Why? Because the school district has a policy of trans inclusion. Elida Parents Against Bathroom Policy, or EPAB, created a Facebook page in February, distributed flyers, and held a planning rally at a local church for how they would defeat the funding proposal. These anti-trans extremists would rather see school children struggle in dilapidated schools than to allow and accept trans students. And they said as much during the school board meeting. According to Ariane Childre, several people at the board meeting said they'd rather lose funding and shut down some school student and community programs rather than accommodate trans students. Childre, a trans woman from Elida, recently founded the Northwest Ohio Trans Advocacy Group in response to the outpouring of hate against trans people. One local voter said of the funding for the schools, quote, they need it to take care of supplies, electrical, and heating. If they don't have it, the kids are going to suffer. But this fact was lost in the midst of the anti-trans hate. IPAPP accomplished their task in the same way we've seen in many other cases with lies, fake stories, and fear-mongering. Many of the old tropes were used, including calling transgender identity mental illness, a contradiction to the Bible, and Luciferian, a word that um, while I felt very insulted by, I was also impressed by from a grammatical standpoint. Fear was stoked with tropes that included uh, that schools and hospitals have established a gender transition pipeline, that trans kids will molest other students, and that kids are being coerced into delusions of gender dysphoria by their peers. Probably the most confusing and confounding bit of all of that. That's just one I, I don't get. Then there were false stories of the school removing titles of Mr. and Mrs. from classroom signs and the lie that will not die. There are kids who identify as dogs and cats in the schools. As usual, there was no information given of any incidents occurring that involved trans students or any true support for their claims. And yet the funding proposal was defeated. An Aaron in the Morning follow-up article about SB 254 in Florida points out that most people reporting on it are missing a key fact, and I'm pretty sure we're in, the, in that category. What many have missed is how the bill effectively bans health care for most adults in Florida by banning nurse practitioners from providing it. According to Aaron's reporting, nurse practitioners provide the majority of gender-affirming care. This could drastically reduce the number of providers, lowering it to a level that is unsustainable for Florida's transgender patient population. In an exclusive interview with Spectrum Health, Lana Dunn told Aaron that the clinic has heard from patients whose appointments are being canceled in large numbers due to lack of coverage and the fact that providers are finding it too risky to care for trans patients because of increased liability that was baked into that bill. Quote, we have thousands of patients at Spectrum, all of whom are eagerly trying to get their appointments in before the law goes into effect, and we simply have no way to keep up with the demand. Our team has been working feverishly throughout all of this to meet the demand. Spectrum also confirmed, again, that at least 80% of all gender-affirming care in Florida is provided by nurse practitioners. Planned Parenthood, which provides care to a large amount of trans folks, primarily uses nurse practitioners. Dunn at Spectrum had specifically said that once that bill goes into effect, they most likely will shut down their trans care. The bill, luckily, is 
under judicial review currently. So it there's there's a chance. And we'll talk a little bit later about the lawsuits that are happening that are stopping a lot of these things dead in their tracks, at least temporarily. The Republican assault on democracy in the form of silencing duly elected officials continued last week. Opposition time was cut severely, and even a Republican who opposed the bill was silenced. Missouri Senate Bill 49 bans gender-affirming care for transgender youth. In addition, it bans Medicare coverage, Medicaid coverage of trans care and surgery for trans inmates. House Speaker Representative Dean Plocker limited Democrats to just 15 minutes for comments in the debate for the bill, a move House Minority Speaker Representative Crystal Quaid said effectively silenced representative speech and thus the voice of the citizens. As the bill went to vote, Representative Chris Sander, a gay Republican, raised his hand to speak and kept it raised for the entirety of the vote, but was never called upon because of his opposition to the bill. This is not the first time Sander has caught the ire of his own party. Earlier in the year, the Jackson County Republican Party considered censoring him over his stance that marriage is between two individuals instead of towing the party line that it's between a man and a woman. However, when word got out and the party got in hot water, they backed off of that idea. For the Republican Party, it's no longer about democracy and healthy discourse. It's about following to the letter the script dictated by the party. Things like original thought, opinion, and opposition apparently will not be tolerated. And that is whether you are a Democrat or even a Republican within the party. Gender-affirming care bans are currently facing legal challenges in nine states. Here's the article I alluded to earlier. The American Civil Liberties Union is leading the charge along, along with Human Rights Campaign, the National Center for Lesbian Rights, Lambda Legal, the Department of Justice, and others in fighting back against the breaches of human rights. The ACLU is the primary organization for the plaintiffs in seven of the lawsuits against states trying to enact gender care bans. One of the most notable lawsuits featured the ACLU representing a 15-year-old trans girl fighting back against the trans ban Senate Bill 1 in Tennessee. Chase Strangio, Deputy Director of Transgender Justice for the ACLU, was confident when he spoke in opposition to the bill originally, saying Tennessee will not be able to defend these laws. In his speech, he pleaded with lawmakers to consider the high costs in trying to defend a bill that infringes on the constitutional rights of citizens, as well as the provision he saw as most dangerous, the potential civil cases that can now be brought against parents who are trying to do right by their kids. According to Aaron in the Morning, these... Um, According to Aaron in the Morning, there is ample reason to believe that these lawsuits will succeed. So far, legal challenges against gender-affirming care bans and anti-trans policies have been effective. In, the, in a recent Supreme Court precedent in Bostock v. Clayton County, judges ruled that discrimination against transgender individuals constitutes sex discrimination and is thus prohibited by U.S. law. They further determined that bills like these also infringe on transgender people's due process and equal protection rights. Another positive aspect in this all is that in Alabama, Arkansas, Texas, and Missouri, bills and orders targeting trans folks have been blocked from going into effect by judges while the legal challenges proceed, rendering them dead on arrival if they are ultimately proven unconstitutional. Required reading for us all. Many of us have heard that the huge hit movie, The Matrix, was actually at its core an allegory for being transgender. 
While there have been writers who have analyzed some of the trans themes throughout the Matrix series of films, LGBTQ Nation is reporting that writer and trans woman Tilly Bridges has written the end-all be-all analysis of the entire series. Her book, Begin Transmission, The Trans Allegories of the Matrix, is set to release this June. The project started when people turned to the screenwriter, who happens to be trans, asking her what the Wachowski sisters meant when they said The Matrix was intended to be about trans allegories. She watched the movies again and set out to write an essay. As she dove in, she quickly realized how deep and layered the allegories were. When she was done with her analysis, she had 24 essays covering the entire franchise. She then decided the next logical step was to turn them into a book. She remarked in an interview with LGBTQ Nation that as a trans woman, the franchise understands you on a visceral level because it is about you, it is for you. In watching the films through this lens, she says that it all made her feel so seen and represented that it was important for her to make sure other trans people saw and recognized it as well. Florida has banned gender-affirming care for trans youth, as well as Medicaid coverage for trans adults. Now information in the court findings, as these um, things are being litigated, show that the agency hired to provide information about trans care manipulated research to support the bans. On August 11th, Florida's Agency for the Healthcare Administration banned gender-affirming care coverage for Medicaid. Meanwhile, the Board of Medicine proceeded to ban gender-affirming care for transgender youth. To do this, they relied on a newly created, quote, standards of care for the treatment of gender dysphoria that was rife with errors and omissions. Now, new court filings show that the Florida Surgeon General's Office and the Agency for Healthcare Administration purposefully manipulated this research to justify banning gender-affirming care, including a flowchart produced before the research was commissioned with the explicit end goal of care effectively banned. Worse, they utilized a consultant from a religious conversion therapy organization to do so. The newly minted Florida generally accepted professional medical standards determination on the treatment of gender dysphoria were released in June of 2022. And within a month, Florida's Agency for Healthcare Administration banned gender affirming care coverage. Florida's Board of Medicine relied on it heavily in their ban on gender-affirming care for transgender youth as well. The document, which claims that gender-affirming care is experimental and does not meet medical guidelines, was immediately slammed by scientific and medical organizations and experts. A Yale review scathingly criticized the report, stating, we are alarmed that Florida's healthcare agency has adopted a purportedly scientific report that so blatantly violates the basic tenets of scientific inquiry. So repeated and fundamentally that are the errors in the June 2nd report that it seems clear that the report is not a serious scientific analysis, but rather a document crafted to serve a political agenda. Stuff we have been screaming. And it's great to see that it, it comes out in court as something that they can no longer deny. Kari was excited to bring this up because this will put DeSantis in some hot water. But the problem is, well, you saw in the story that we started with, that once these lies get out there and take hold, it can be nearly impossible to contradict them because people just dig in on the belief of them and that is that is all they'll believe. The United States Supreme Court has ruled in favor of a trans Guatemalan woman fighting deportation. On 
Thursday, May 11th, the justices sided with Estrella Santos Zakaria, who is seeking refuge in the, in the United States. She fears returning because she suffered physical harm and faced death threats as a transgender woman who was attracted to men. Santos Zakaria arrived in the United States as a teenager, but was deported in 2008. She attempted to enter the country again in 2018, but was apprehended by immigration officials. According to the Associated Press, she spent most of her time between 2008 and 2018 in Mexico, but decided to try to return to America after she was raped by a Mexican gang. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals rejected her request to remain in the United States because her case didn't meet the requirements to seek asylum, but the Supreme Court has now overturned that ruling. In the opinion, the court's official decision, written by Katanji Brown Jackson, the jurist referred to Santos Zakaria by her preferred pronouns and name. The ruling was unanimous with John Roberts, Brett Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett, Sonia Sotomayor, Elena Kagan, Neil Gorsuch, and Samuel Alito filing an opinion concurring with the judgment. The subtle but important language used was seen as remarkable, especially as the majority of the justices agreed. Joyce Vance, the first female U.S. attorney nominated by President Barack Obama, described the inclusive language used as huge progress. Back to Florida and Ron DeSantos, uh, the Florida governor has signed a new vile law which would put LGBTQ plus patients at risk as doctors could choose not to treat them by citing religious or moral obligations. This old thing again. The Republican governor who seems to have made it his personal mission to wage war on the LGBTQ community signed a, quote, protections of medical conscience bill on Thursday, May 11th. The legislation enables medical professionals and for-profit insurers to deny patients care based on religious, moral, or ethical reasons or beliefs. Beliefs under the act are defined as, quote, a sincerely held religious, moral, or ethical belief. Always interesting when in a definition for something, you use the same word within it. So <laughs> great job there, y'all. Concerns have been raised by LGBTQ plus Floridians and activists across the U.S. that the bill could be used to deny care for, for queer people if a healthcare provider holds bigoted views about the community. Aaron in the Morning's anti-trans legislative, legislative risk map grows darker red as bills pass. She starts the article with the positive subhead that as we approach sine die in many states and legislative sessions close, states will lose the chance to pass anti-trans legislation. However, over the first third of the year, Aaron Reed of Aaron in the Morning has shown that many more states have moved into the worst category for anti-trans laws. A few have improved slightly, and we've seen a handful of states enshrining sanctuary status for trans folks and personal rights like access to medical care and abortions. However, as the latest map shows, legislative bodies are dividing the country strongly over the issue of whether people, children especially, have the right to decide what to do with their own bodies if they identify as trans or are pregnant. According to her April map, 15 states have already passed anti-trans laws, while eight other states are high on the risk category of following suit in the next two years. On the flip side, 13 states plus Washington, D.C. have signed bills into law specifically protecting the rights of trans people, nine of those with sanctuary protections. In the breakdown, the worst offenders against citizens' rights include Tennessee, which recently passed a bill banning public drag performance, 
Oklahoma, which is leading with the most anti-trans bills proposed, Florida with its Medicaid coverage ban, uh, and Texas for, you know, being Texas. Beyonce's Renaissance World Tour kicked off with risque costumes, a sickening set list, and queer excellence. Not forgetting every bigot's worst fear, gender-neutral toilets. Again, this is from Pink News. Beyonce, mother of the House of Renaissance, has embarked upon a dazzlingly disco-infused tour in support of her seventh studio album, complete with Vogue dancers, robotic arms, and a giant progress pride flag-inspired background. If you've been anywhere near the internet in the past 24 hours, you'll know what I'm talking about. And um, as someone who has been anywhere near the internet for the past 24 hours, specifically very heavily for the last, you know, 10, um, I have no idea what I'm talking about. So let's find out together. Twitter account Renaissance updates. Beyonce's team is making all of the bathrooms gender neutral at the Renaissance World Tour. The move which promotes inclusive inclusion and allyship has been met with a wave of support from fan base, the beehive and beyond. While several comments have railed against the gender neutral toilets, the one account calling Beyonce a pawn of the establishment, other users have pointed out at least one flaw with such, such response. Ain't no way y'all are mad that the tour based off of the album that is based off of queer culture is hosting gender neutral bathrooms. Two trans teens are suing the state of Montana, arguing that a new law blocking essential trans health care for young people in the state is, quote, unlawful and unconstitutional. Governor of Montana, Greg Johnfort, signed Senate Bill 99, known as the Youth Health Protection Act, into law on April 28th. As we reported here, the bill prohibits puberty blockers, hormone treatment, and surgical procedures for transgender youth being treated for gender dysphoria and goes into effect on October 1st of 2023. The ACLU of Montana and Lambda Legal filed a joint lawsuit on behalf of two families who will be affected by this ban on May 9th. The plaintiffs include 16-year-old Scarlett Garderin, along with her parents, Jessica Van Garderin and Iwout Van Garderin. In a statement, Phoebe expressed sadness at the culture war stirred by Republican politicians and the attacks trans youth have endured from politicians. I will never understand why my representatives are working to strip me of my rights and the rights of other trans kids, he wrote. Just living as a trans teenager is difficult enough. The last time me and my peer, the last thing me and my peers need is to have our rights taken away. There were many things I hoped my elected officials would achieve. This regression in human rights is not one of those things. The blatant disrespect for my humanity and existence is deeply unsettling. Two doctors who provide gender affirming care in the state, Dr. Kathy Mistretta of Bozeman Creek Family Health and Dr. Juanita Hodax of Community Medical Center are also involved in the lawsuit. The suit states that Scarlett and Phoebe are both transgender and are currently receiving medically necessary care that would be prohibited by the act. It argues the bill unfairly targets trans youth as healthcare, provider, as healthcare providers can still give their cis patients the same medical treatments that are prohibited when provided to transgender adolescents. Another thing we've we've talked about a lot here that puberty blockers are still allowed for people who are not trans. Breast augmentation uh, surgeries are still allowed for teens under 18 who are not trans. Um, nose jobs and all kinds of other cosmetics, unnecessary surgeries are still performed on kids that aren't trans. It's a very hypocritical law and is is specifically targeted at trans folks and thus should not 
hold up in court, fingers crossed to the point of almost breaking. It continues to say that the act claims to protect trans youth. It instead, in fact, endangers them and threatens the health and well-being of transgender adolescents by denying them access to life-saving care, the lawsuit says. The lawsuit brands 99 as unconstitutional and requests an injunction prohibiting the act's enforcement. Transphobes are raging on social media over a trans-inclusive Starbucks ad and, unsurprisingly, are calling for people to boycott the coffee company. On Wednesday, May 10th, Starbucks India released a new advertisement for its It Starts With Your Name campaign, aiming to showcase the multinational comp coffee company as an inclusive and accepting place. The video ad, which was shared on Twitter, shows two middle-aged parents waiting at a Starbucks coffee for their child, Arpit, to arrive. The pair seem nervous, and the mother says to her husband, listen, don't get angry this time, please. Followed by a, a young woman who is equally nervous, walking through the door. It is the couple's child who is transitioning. She embraces her mother and shares a tentative one-arm embrace with her father, who is clearly struggling with her transition, before saying, thank you for meeting me, dad. I know it's been years, but you still mean the world to me. Silently, the father nods and gets up to order coffee as the young woman and her mother hold hands over the table. He sits back down after ordering the, and then the barista calls out three cold coffees for Arpita. Arpita looks at, at her father, overwhelmed as she realizes he accepts her for who she is because he gave her name to the barista. For me, you are still my kid. Only a, a letter got added to your name her father tells her. The transphobes were quick to rage against the emotional video calling for a boycott of Starbucks and mirroring the transphobic backlash against beer brand Bud Light for partnering with TikTok sensation Dylan Mulvaney. Starbucks ad, be like, we are woke, so let's all be woke together, one Twitter user wrote. Another said, this ad would cause a dent in the Starbucks brand. A third user who said, they are a huge Starbucks fan and spend thousands of rupees a year on their coffee, said so they cannot believe the company would launch a woke campaign in the name of advertisement. Being awake to the reality of people's situations and being sensitive to what other people are going through is seen around the world by some people as being a bad thing. I don't understand people, y'all. I do not get it. I do not get them. I do not understand. This is not the first time Starbucks has run a trans-inclusive advertising campaign, however. In 2020, Starbucks UK launched its What's Your Name advert, which followed a young trans man named James who goes through several situations where, he is dead, where his dead name is used. At the end of the ad, James goes to Starbucks where he experiences the gender euphoria of having his true name read out by the barista. However, the company has garnered criticism from the trans community and has faced allegations from employees that it is not as trans-friendly behind the scenes. In March, a trans worker in Southampton who accused a customer of being transphobic was fired. In a now viral video, the employee can be seen refusing to serve the customer, saying, you're calling me a man, you're being transphobic, Karen, get out. The American Medical Association's first out gay president is pledging to fight trans healthcare bans. Dr. Jesse Ehrenfeld is a U.S. Navy combat veteran who will be inaugurated as the American Medical Association's first out gay president on June 13th. And he says the organization simply will not stand for legislation targeting abortion and gender affirming care. He has pledged to use every avenue available to oppose such laws. 
We see the attack on reproductive care, reproductive access, and transgender health care as a continuum of a government overreach into patient-physician decision-making, Aaron, Aaron Fell told the Washington Blade. The American Medical Association, whose mission is to advocate, quote, the art and science of medicine for the betterment of public health, unquote, represents at least 271,660 members, including physicians and medical students. We simply will not stand for the government coming in to interfere with the doctor-patient relationship by passing bills that outlaw clinical guidelines-based care. The AMA has long advocated for progressive and LGBTQ plus inclusive medical practices, including the removal of sex as a legal designation on birth certificates, a ban on conversion therapy, a ban on requiring surgeries for gender marker changes on government issued identification documents, and changes to the Food and Drug Administration's prohibitions on blood donations from men who have sex with men. The group's journal has also noted how healthcare disparities disproportionately affect transgender people. But Ehrenfeld said his inauguration marks an important movement in the AMA's history as it signals increased LGBTQ visibility in a field that wasn't always open to queer professionals or queer patients' needs. Ehrenfeld and his husband will be marching with an AMA group in Chicago's Pride Parade, a first for the group that seems particularly significant considering the wave of anti-LGBTQ legislation being introduced nationwide. We have a lot of backseat drivers trying to tell doctors what to do, Ehrenfeld said of bans on gender-affirming care for minors that have passed in 18 states and introduced in 13 other states. He said these backseat drivers include insurance companies who put up barriers around prior authorization for getting approval for care and services. So it's great to see that we have an uh, ally and an advocate there in the AMA now who is, um, who while not trans, is a member of the LGBTQ plus community and sees it as a huge priority to protect our rights and the rights of women and, and you know, reproductive and bodily autonomy rights. Spice Girl Emma Bunton declares support for trans youth. Baby Spice has spoken, or at least has posted, according to this LGBTQ plus nation article. After actress Jamie Lee Curtis, a vocal trans ally and mother of a trans daughter, posted on Instagram about LGBTQ plus rights, former Spice Girl Emma Bunton joined the conversation by reposting Curtis's message to her story. I will say gay and I will protect trans kids, the post declared in large bold letters, the colors of the trans and LGBTQ plus pride flags. The post was referencing Florida's infamous Don't Say Gay legislation, which has inspired copycat bills around the country, and it has recently been expanded in Florida, as well as the numerous anti-trans bills making their way through state legislatures seeking to ban trans youth from gender-affirming care access, as well as from playing women's sports and from accessing the right bathrooms and locker rooms. Bunton has long vocalized her support for LGBTQ plus people, in a 2019 interview with Gay Times, she credited the community with 100% influencing the Spice Girls' music. Oh, cool. Spice Girls' music is gay. Love it. Thank goodness we are living in a time where everyone is supporting each other so much more now. I feel so thankful to them when I write or when I perform. It feels on such a more open, different level. It's so much more inclusive and special. And in 2022, Bunton's fellow Spice Girl, Melanie Chisholm, who performed in the group as Sporty Spice, proclaimed that the Spice Girls were about embracing an individuality. Everybody was invited into our gang. It wasn't just girl power, it was gay power. We've never taken it for granted. Back then, it was very apparent we had many young gay male fans, including some who hadn't come out fully to understand who they were. 
we really quickly want to change tack from screaming about girl power to being about inclusivity. We move on to Ontario, where a bunch of bikers formed a human chain to protect a drag queen story hour. No cops at Pride, only a motorci motorcycle gang of butches. This article starts from them. As has been the case at many such events over the past year, roughly two dozen anti-drag protesters showed up at the Middlesex County Library in the small rural town of Park Hill, Ontario, on April 29th, according to CTV News. They were there to protest a drag queen story hour, but they were met with self-proclaimed protectors, all affiliated with the all-women motorcycle club, the Wind Sisters, who linked arms to form a chain at the entrance and helped escort patrons safely inside. The event was put on by the Rainbow Optimists, a Southern Ontario LGBTQ plus youth advocacy group focusing on rural communities, and Strathoy Pride, which organizes pride events in Middlesex County, the primarily rural municipality in which Park Hill is located. It was the first drag queen story time event at the library since 2019, and the first with so many protesters, according to comments that Lindsay Brock, Middlesex County's Director of Library Services, made to the Canadian news outlet, CBC. Brock attributed the vitriol toward drag events to, the, uh, to such protests being in the news, stating that we're hearing things that are happening south of the border, and it's kind of mingling with concerns and feelings that people are having here locally. Accordingly, 70-year-old Patricia Jin, a member of the Wind Sisters, told CTV that historically, a butch like myself, and I've been one for 50 years now, our role in the community has always been one of the great protector. It's probably pronounced Gin, G-I-N-N. Gin told CBC on Monday that the counter-protest was brutal for two hours. They were in our face, pushing and shoving, screaming, calling us everything they could think of. They actually went up to several members who were walking in with their children and called them pedophiles. Gin said that her mission is to support drag queen storytime events across southern Ontario, a predominantly conservative area, despite protests. Middlesex County organizers are still planning on more drag queen story hours, including two that Gin plans to attend next month. Moving on to our next story, another another one that's that's good and positive. Five companies showing true trans allyship by offering gender-affirming health care to employees. Netflix, Amazon, and Starbucks are just a few of the most inclusive companies that offer gender-affirming care for trans employees. According to GLAAD, when trans people get the care they need, they are more likely to be working and almost 80% see mental health improve. Transition is costly in the U.S., Top or bottom surgeries can cost up to $25,000. Other treatments and cosmetic surgeries often not covered by private insurance policies can even be more expensive. In the UK, it can take years to get a referral to be seen at a gender identity clinic. It makes sense that many employers are offering gender affirming care as part of their benefits package because insurers and other places are not offering it. The Human Rights Campaign Foundation have been tracking employers rated in their corporate equality index, something we've cited here several times, that have at least one transgender inclusive benefit since 2002. 20 years ago, there were no companies that met any of their guidelines. Fast forward to today, and there are over 650 companies that have adopted gender transition guidelines, and over 90% of CEI businesses have at least one trans inclusive policy on offer. HSBC, starting in 2023, the financial giant announced that it will pay for trans employees' gender-affirming care. The gender dysphoria benefit encourages trans and non-binary staff to be their true authentic self. The program will allow employees and dependents to apply to have their gender-affirming surgeries and other treatment paid for. 
Amazon, the world's largest retailer, has been offering gender-affirming care for quite some time since the 2010s. Benefits at Amazon begin on the first day of employment, including equal health coverage for transgender individuals. In an effort to boost diversity, inclusion, and support within the, the company, all employees have access to trans-inclusive resources. The, the Transgender and Guidelines Toolkit offers information like terminology breakdowns to help cis colleagues understand phrases that could be brought up in conversation, name and pronoun use, and a communication template for employees wanting to talk about their transgender identity. The guide was created by the company's Glamazon Group, one of the world's largest LGBTQ employee resource groups. Netflix, while Netflix has a history of platforming anti-trans content, looking at you, Dave Chappelle, the streaming company has offered gender-affirming care for its employees since 2015. Coverage includes surgery and HRT. Like Amazon, Netflix will reimburse colleagues in the United States up to $10,000 in travel expenses to receive care out of state. Starbucks again here. Since 2018, the world's largest coffee shop that made the Frappuccino a household name has covered gender-affirming care for trans employees. The company initially covered bottom surgery in 2012 and now includes all other steps in a person's medical transition. These include cosmetic procedures that go uncovered by most insurance companies, including top surgery, hair transplants and removals, and facial feminization surgeries. Not only that, the company will assist their trans employees in finding the appropriate doctors and healthcare providers. Meta, the parent company of Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp, recently rebranded as Meta, has been offering specialized benefits for trans and non-binary employees since 2015. The company offers gender-affirming care for employees and their dependents through the employee benefit package, including surgeries. The company also provides personal support for trans employees, navigating all the paperwork that comes along with medical transitioning. Again, that list is HSBC, the, the bank and financial institution, Amazon, Netflix, Starbucks and Meta, the parent of Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp. Black Girls Code is an organization that helps break down stigmas and barriers to get more women and people of color into the tech field. They are hosting an event on Tuesday, May 30th, exploring the language of the internet and how many popular online slang terms originate from black culture. The event explores the language of African-American vernacular English and its adaptation on the internet while teaching student attendees about web design and coding. Students ages 11 to 17 will learn hands-on by creating their own online youth culture dictionary. Other recent events put on by Black Girls Code included activities like creating a water purification system, writing a chase game using Scratch, and training an AI model to recognize dance moves and display emojis and graphics based on what the computer sees. They're doing such important work to engage kids and teach them valuable skills. Um, it's just a beautiful thing. So go ahead and learn more about their efforts at wearebgc.org. Thank you for listening to this episode of Transverse News. Be sure to check out our other podcast, The Transgender Show, an interview program about self-discovery and acceptance.